Father God, thank you we could be here today. Thank you for um, all our, our neighbors and um, brothers and sisters that are here with us. Um, thank you for Jesus Christ, and thank you for giving us your word. Thank you, Lord, for um, providing food that, for us to be able to hand out. And, um, and we pray, Lord, that you would be glorified, um, that your spirit would be at work now as we look to your word, that you would uh, draw, draw our hearts and minds to, to Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, uh, good to see you all. Um, today I'm going to start, start uh, sharing with you out of the book of 2 Corinthians. Um, so I'm going to read now, uh, starting in 2 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So if we look at the first part there in a verse three um, that I have up on the board, it talks about how God is the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So God, the father, who's the, the creator of the heavens of the earth, who made our world and everything in it, he he also is the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He cares for his people. And I mean, if you're, you're coming here, visiting us at our church, we appreciate it. Uh, we want you to know this, this is the God that we serve. We, this is the God that we worship. Uh, it's the God who, a God who is with us in affliction and comforts us. So God, God doesn't just care for the world or for people in a general way, just wanting good for people in general. And um, he does do that. He does provide the things we need, um, sunshine and the rain. But he also, and it's very very importantly, he also cares for individuals, for individual believers and their lives. And he acts in their lives to comfort them. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort is is our Father if if we're believers. Only believers in Jesus Christ can can and should properly call God their father. God made everyone. He's the God of everyone. But it's believers who have that special relationship with him. Well, we see that um, in, the, in the book of John at the very beginning. In John 1, it says about Jesus, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And it's the children of God who can call God their father and who can know the father of mercies and God of all comfort. So I'll give you one example of how God comforts his people uh, from the Old Testament. So I don't know how familiar you all all are with, uh, with the Old Testament and with the book of Genesis. But, you know, Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, Abraham is, is, is kind of the father of our faith. And um, Abraham and Sarah had a promise to have a, to have a son and that the whole world would be blessed through, the, through their offspring. But they were old and they couldn't have babies. Um, so at one point, then actually his, Abraham's wife, Sarah, came up with the idea of giving, of giving Abraham her servant, Hagar, another woman, to, to have a baby with. So, um, so and they, they, they did that. They carried out their plan. Hagar became pregnant. And as you might kind of guess, that caused some problems in the household. It didn't make for a very uh, peaceful house when, um, when, the, when, when, when Sarah's husband was pre- uh, had impregnated another woman in their house. So, um, <clears throat> so it, it, there was conflict between Hagar and between Sarah. And, Sarah, and Hagar actually at one point, ran away, fled from the house. And we'll see how God dealt with her in, uh, in Genesis 16. It says, The angel of the Lord found her, that is Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. He shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly, I have seen him who looks after me. So we see here how even though Hagar is not the main character in what's going on in the Bible there, the promise of God doesn't come through her son Ishmael, but the promise of God comes through Isaac that will come up later in the book of Genesis. But even though she's, she's, she's a minor character in, the, in God's plan, but God cared for her as a person. God cared for her as an individual. And like it says there, the Lord listened to her affliction. And the Lord, and he, and the Lord was a God of seeing to her, a God that looked after her and took care of her. And God, so God is a God of comfort to us. And he also intends, us to, intends for us to be a comfort to others. God means for us to be in community, to be, that's part of why we have the church, to be in community with each other and to help each other and comfort each other when we're going through, through, through affliction. Like it says in, uh, in verse 4, coming back to 2 Corinthians, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And then looking on to the next verses, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. 
If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that you share in our sufferings. You will also share in our comfort. So Paul, at his time, um, and the believers in Corinth at that time, they faced persecution, especially Paul faced very severe persecution. And he talks about it later in the same book, in, in uh, chapter 11. He talks about the things that he dealt with. He said, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So you see, that's, that's the kind of life that Paul lived. That's the kind of life that the man who wrote this letter and it's t- teaching us about the God of comfort. That's what he went through in his life. Um, and so fall, we should know, realize that following God, being a Christian, coming to church, is definitely not a way to escape suffering in this life. Um, in the Old Testament, Psalm 34 tells us, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So it's not that Christians don't have afflictions. We have afflictions, but we have the Lord with us to deliver us. And in the New Testament, it talks about suffering, like in this passage and other passages, it talks about suffering as a part of the Christian life. Now, I've never experienced the kind of affliction that Paul did that we just read about, about being beaten with rods, being, being floating in the, in the sea, I've never experienced stuff like that, and I probably never, I probably never will experience anything close to the kind of persecution and affliction that he dealt with. But there are ways that we suffer as Christians. Christians are people who have to obey our Lord. We have to obey Jesus Christ. So if Jesus is Lord, that means that all other things are not Lord. Whatever, whatever direction the culture is going in, that's not Lord. Whatever our friends and families think that's not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And even even dealing with our own temptations, our own sinful desires, um, those aren't our Lord. Jesus is Lord. So if we live that way, if we live like Jesus is Lord and we put him first in front of all those other things, it's going to naturally bring some affliction in our lives. Being a Christian can cause division in families. And Jesus even talked about that. Jesus even talked about how his message would cause family conflict and turn family members against each other. Sometimes Christians are looked down upon or labeled as hypocrites. But also for everyone, whether you're a believer or not, whether we're Christians, whether we're Christians or not, everyone faces difficulty and affliction in life. It's just something we kind of can't get away from. We live in a fallen world and we go through all kinds of troubles, all kinds of problems in life. Money problems, relationship problems, health problems. Some of the things we go through or might be a result of our own actions, our own mistakes, or some are just part, of, uh, just part of living in this world. 
and will never totally be able to escape from affliction in this life. But the good news is there's a God who's, who's with us in affliction. There's a God who comes into people's lives, like we talked about Hagar earlier, and is a God of seeing who looks after them. And now I'll read, uh, read the last couple of verses here we're going through is uh, verses 8 and 9. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the, exp- of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So I don't know for sure what, what Paul's referring to when he says the affliction that, that um, when he says here, the affliction we experienced in Asia. I do know from the Bible, from the book of Acts, that, there was, that, he, that he did experience persecution in Ephesus, which is in Asia. There was even a riot um, in Ephesus because the people were so upset about what Paul was doing and teaching. But whatever the affl- affliction was, we see how it affected him. We see the effect that he says that it had on him here where he says, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. And you know, maybe, maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been through times in your life where you felt like you'd received the sentence of death, where you despaired of life itself. I know for myself that I've, I've been through um, some times in my life where my life seemed like such a hopeless mess. Um, but God has a purpose in that affliction. In the, in the last part of the verse here. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. I think this is one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible uh, when, you're going, when you are going through affliction, when you are going through hardship, to know that we can depend on, some, on, on a God who, even if, if the worst happens, even if death, he can, he's a God who can even raise the dead. If you're, if you're going through hard times, when you're down, don't, don't rely on yourself. Like it says here, don't try to rely on yourself. You'll let yourself down. Other people will let you down. Everything else in life will let you down eventually. But you rely on him. Rely on the God who can even raise the dead. And we know that he can because of Jesus Christ. Christ shows us how God comforts us in affliction. He came into this world to share in our afflictions with us. He suffered and died for our sins. And he rose again from the dead that we might have him as an example to look to, that we can have hope even, even through affliction, knowing that God can even raise the dead. So look to Jesus Christ. Um, look, look to what, he, what he's done for us. And, and be comforted. And uh, we'll close again in prayer. Father God, thank you, that, um, thank you for us being here. Thank you for all, all the people here. We pray, Lord, that you bless them, provide for all their needs. And um, we pray, Lord, that you be merciful to us and that you draw us close to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.